This episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you exclusively by Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships Collection, officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and receive the USS Shenzhou for only $9.95 with free shipping. For additional information on this incredible collection, please visit eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. the security office at Deep Space Nine and Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and thank you so much for joining us. We kind of had an impromptu week off last week because, well, we decided to enjoy the long holiday weekend with our families. And of course, by we, I do mean my co-host and I. He's um, he's somebody I would not hesitate to lock in Odo's detention cell in a heartbeat and just let him sit there forever and ever and ever. He's the largely incarceratable Dan Davidson. And Dan, I realize I just created an adjective there, but I'm going with it, buddy. Welcome aboard. <laughs> it's good to be here, Bill. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to try to do the entire show in all... Odo grunts. I wasn't I would, sure. <laughs> I'll throw a few in there, I think, but uh, I would never try to impede on Renee's awesomeness that is Odo. And and happy birthday to Renee. He had a birthday just last week. Um, hard to believe the guy is 78. He is just so amazing, and we love him to death. I miss him. I wish that we could see more of him in Star Trek somehow, but we will be able to hear him in the new Star Trek Online game. Oh, I think I gave a little spoiler. Is that a sp- oh spoiler hashtag spoiler alert hashtag <laughs> Dan sucks wow thanks pal I mean hey buddy <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of Renee we have a fantastic topic tonight and like we said at the end of the last episode number one forty this is of course episode one four one you can't talk about one of these characters without bringing the other end of the conversation no you can't you know along the lines of. Kirk and Spock or Spock and McCoy or Bill and Dan, there is always Odo and Quark, Uh, you know, as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of of Deep Space Nine, how can we not have a special uh, episode dedicated to these two characters that for me... Uh, were were the heart and soul of of the show. Aside from Cisco, um, I love Odo. He, he is actually my all time favorite character in Star Trek. To be honest, so I'm thrilled that we're going to be talking about these two characters 
And I don't know if I mean that as in Star Trek characters or just two funny characters. Oda one Cork here today, Bill. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's interesting. I, I think I re- vaguely remember you saying Odo is your favorite character in the whole of Star Trek, but I um I, I think maybe we'll deep dive on that a little more as the episode progresses. Speaking of deep diving, Dan, people may want to tell us their thoughts on Odo or Quark or Odo and Quark, or maybe even Quark and Odo. And how could they do that to us? Well, there's a whole bunch of ways, Bill. Uh, it's very easy to do. All you need to do is head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you'll find a whole bunch of ways that you can send us information. And believe me, Bill and I want to hear from every single one of you. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail, you can Skype chat us, or you can even fill out that contact form and leave us a message about anything that might be on your mind. And please do take advantage of those different ways. Plus, don't forget, you can click on the big blue button on the right-hand side of the website and leave us a voice message using SpeakPipe. And as we talk about every single week, we love it to death. Please join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. There's great things happening over there all the time. Star Trek talk, pictures, polls. Yes, our Friday commute celebration we took last week off, but we got something really good in store uh, for this coming week. Uh, You're going to get early access to episodes of the Trek Geeks podcast before they're ever released to everyone else. So to join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. Heather, Jackie, or Dan will let you right on in, and we can't wait to see you over there. But please remember that any messages or comments you leave us in any of these places, Quark, may be used in a future episode. That was horrible. <laughs> it actually wasn't too bad. It was better than your uh, better than your dinosaur, which people hear in the outtake later. But um, it's interesting, you know. You you brought up Camp Kittimer as you always do, and Dan, we had thirteen brand new campers join this week, and we are closing in on one thousand members in Camp Kittimer. So Unreal. we thank everybody for being a part of of the discussion and for it, loving Trek and for helping to create a, a positive environment that's as troll-free as possible. Um, uh, I, I, we should hit 1,000 probably within the next couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to it, buddy. That's really amazing. And I got to say, not because it's our own Star Trek group, but I got to say it really is my favorite place on Facebook with all of the, the different groups that I'm a part of. This one's my favorite because – The people that are in there are genuine Star Trek fans. Like you said, there's no trolling. There's no negativity. There's no politics. It's fun Star Trek conversation. And the people in there are awesome. I love every one of them. And I did not realize we were that close to to a thousand. So uh, that's really something I'm I'm very honored and proud to uh, be part of the uh, the group. And I look forward to the next 1,000 people. Likewise. And something else that we're proud of, Dan, a little bit of a housekeeping item. You know, at the beginning of today's episode, people probably heard something just a little different. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But as of June 4th, 2018, Trek Geeks and our other podcast, Discovering Trek, are now productions of Coconut Media Works. After three years, we decided to form our own company to produce quality podcast entertainment. We haven't been acquired. We haven't been bought out. Coconut Media Works is Bill and Dan. And this is something that we're really excited to be doing. Could it be Dan and Bill or is it Bill and Dan? Anyway, um, that's okay. It could be, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, you know, but the most important thing, though, is that nothing about Trek Geeks or Discovering Trek is going to change. Uh, there are no plans at this time to expand the podcast offerings of Co- Coconut Media Works in any way. 
And in the very near future, Coconut Media Works will also debut a website portal called trekpodcasts.com for Star Trek podcast discovery to benefit all Star Trek podcasts currently producing episodes, regardless of who produces the content. It's not just going to be our podcasts. It'll be a directory of any Star Trek podcast that just wants to be part of it. Yeah, it's really awesome. And as you can tell, Bill and I are just so excited at this evolution of our podcast. And we look forward to sharing the future of Coconut Media Works with our listeners. So with that, live long and prosper. And of course, Coconut! Dan, it's time for the news from TrekNews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. It's TrekNews.net. <laughs> online at treknews.net. And Dan, really briefly, um, we mentioned earlier the, the the little different thing that people heard at the beginning of the podcast. Our sincere thanks go out to Barry DeFord, our dear friend Barry DeFord, um, co-host of Polytrex over in the Tricorder Transmissions Network of Podcasts for creating our little musical coconut um, stinger that you hear or will now hear at the beginning and end of, of every episode of Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek. Um, I asked Barry if he would like to help us out and he jumped at the chance and um, we, I thank him sincerely and, uh, and uh, I think it just, it adds something a little fun to Trek Geeks. It does. It, it's perfect. Barry, you did a great job with it. It, 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 it sounds like something from Trek Geeks or Discovering Trek. It just fits perfectly. You did a kick-ass job and, and, uh, and we can't thank you enough for it, man. So on to the news. Dan Carl Urban is going to be headlining Trek on Daroga, which I assure you is not easy to say, this year at the original series set tour in, wait for it, Ticonderoga, New York. Trekonderoga. See, I could say without a problem, man. So, you know, just saying. Yes, uh, great news that uh, that this is happening. It's going to be August 24th through the 26th of this year, 2018. Uh, exciting news for Carl Urban and any of his fans. For more information, just head right on over to StarTrekTour.com. And as many people know, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, was there recently. And from all accounts, the event was a huge success. I I think it's great that Carl Urban is going to the tour. Um, there, you know, lives inside me the possibility of, of being concerned that he may cancel because Carl still works a lot. Mm -hmm. He's had to cancel multiple appearances at STLV in various years. So I, I'm hoping that his schedule stays clear. I'm hoping that that everybody that drives up to uh, it's upstate New York to see this has a great time. I think it's the weekend before Labor Day weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there is no way in hell I'm going to be able to go, even though it's only a few hours from our front door. Yeah, I hear you there. What, what I think is amazing is, is like we said, Shatner was there recently. Carl's going to be there. I see this as being something where a lot of the big Trek names will eventually wind up. It gives the East Coast folks something to look forward to and go visit because, like you said, it's not very far from we are in New Hampshire. So uh, I think it's great. Uh, good luck to uh, all the folks up there in Trek Conderoga, Ticonderoga, and uh, we'll see what happens next. 
There are literally two hotels in Ticonderoga, unless you want to stay in Vermont, and that's not an exaggeration. So if you're going to Ticonderoga, book early. That's all I'm going to tell you. Okay. Uh, Dan, next up in news, Star Trek Bridge Crew The Next Generation is now available as a downloadable expansion. I think this is really cool. This is very cool. Have you played the uh, TOS version? I have not. I have not, only because I don't necessarily have a VR rig. Yeah, I, I got, I'm thinking I got to get one of these. I've actually tried to talk my wife into getting a PS4, but it just hasn't gone over yet. Yes, uh, Ubisoft released the first downloadable expansion uh, for Star Trek Bridge Crew, and now folks can be on the bridge of the NCC-1701 Delta Yo from the next generation. Um, PS4 players are going to be able to command the USS Enterprise-D, where you're going to face challenges all the way from the Romulans and the Borg. So that's very cool. Um, it, it, I can't wait to try this. VR is, has come it's such a long way since it was first introduced in like, I don't know, the Lawnmower Man or something like that. But uh, <laughs> this expansion also introduces a new command role, which we did not see in the TOS version. You can either play operations and you can play modes called ongoing voyages or patrol and resistance. So, Lots of stuff coming out uh, for this VR. And from what I hear, it's pretty awesome. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Pull that one right out of the keister. Oh, my God. That movie is so terrible, too. Um, I, I'm hoping that there's something at STLV that lets you try this out. Oh, yeah. Because I think that would be really fantastic. I, I We hoped for that last year, um, and it didn't quite happen, I don't believe. Um, so maybe they'll bring it this year. Who knows? I, I hope that there's a Deep Space Nine expansion at some point absolutely. with the, the Defiant and the Dominion. I think that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that, too. Thanks. <laughs> Dan, Zachary Quinto, he who plays Spock in the Kelvin Timeline movies, confirms that there will be a fourth Star Trek movie if things keep going the way they are. Yeah, uh, he was recently on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert and did uh, uh, talk about Star Trek. Uh, he said, quote, I know more now than I knew a few weeks ago, which is that there will be a fourth movie if we stay on track where we are. I think there is going to be, excuse me, I think there is going a movie before Okay, that's a bad quote. I'm not going to reread that quote because it's all screwed up. But needless to say, Zachary said, yeah, there's going to be a Star Trek 4 as long as things stay on course. So there you go. <laughs> I'm, the, quote, the, the quote that I'm reading from the website does not have grammatical correction in it, which is something that I'm used to because I'm me. But yeah, I couldn't read that right. So there you go. I think the real takeaway here is that you are criticizing the grammatical structure of a sentence. <laughs> yes, I yes, I writes good and reads better. So yeah, and we're leaving we're leaving that in because it, it's a great podcasting. That's what I'm here to tell you. <laughs> no, edits. I um, I, I think I I think it's not a surprise that there's going to be a fourth movie. And before people scream, it's not Star Trek oh. Four. That's the one with the whales. It's the fourth movie in the Kelvin timeline. It is colloquially colloquially referred to as Star Trek Four. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, uh, barring them announcing there aren't going to be any more Star Trek films, I think we're going to keep seeing Star Trek films with this cast, and I'm happy about that. I'm extremely happy about that. It's no secret that I love the Kelvin timeline. I love what this cast has done with the Star Trek movies. I love the stories. I love the special effects. And I love the fact that these people who have brought us these movies are excited that there's going to be another movie. It's one thing when the fans are excited, but it's another thing when you hear people like Zachary talking on a talk show about how he's excited that there's going to be another movie and that it's finally going to be directed by a female. I think that's fantastic also. I do too. And Dan, lastly in news, uh, we have a bit of a statement 
And uh, I'm just going to run with this. And if you want to chime in afterwards, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. Sure. Um, it has come to our attention that the volunteers, the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum and the Hollywood Horror Museum have resigned en masse uh, a couple of weeks ago. We spoke about these museums with their founder, Houston Huddleston, in episode 35 of this podcast. The volunteers resigned because they discovered that Mr. Huddleston was not on a long vacation as they had been told, but rather Mr. Huddleston had been in a Los Angeles County jail facility after being arraigned on charges related to child pornography. Specifically, the three charges against him relate to the coercion of minors to appear in child pornography, production of child pornography, and possession of child pornography. Now, as if those charges aren't alarming enough, in the past few days, we've read a lot of conjecture regarding the museums and some of the decisions made by Mr. Huddleston. We don't know if they're true or not. And honestly, it's not up to us to make that decision. But it does give us significant cause for concern on a number of levels, enough to question the veracity of the museums themselves. The decision to remove content from Trek Geeks and its feed doesn't happen often, and it's never an easy decision. But I can promise you that it's always done with our audience in mind. Dan and I talked about this, and we've made the decision to remove Houston Huddleston's episode from our podcast feed so that it can no longer be downloaded. We made this decision because the episode does promote the museums and the hope that Star Trek fans will donate money to it. And that's not something we're comfortable with today. Yes, agreed. Uh, Also, uh, just to point out, on May 24th, 2018, we reached out to the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum via email for a statement regarding the future of the museum and also on Mr. Huddleston's alleged incarceration and his status on the board. And as of this recording, we have yet to receive a reply to our request. Now, of course, Mr. Huddleston is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. His jury trial is presently scheduled to occur this month in Los Angeles. And we can only hope that the jury considers the evidence fairly and impartially to render a just verdict. It's never easy to to pull an episode, and it's something you and I talked about um, it wasn't a long conversation because we both were mm-hmm. were pretty set that, yeah, we should pull this because it's not appropriate anymore. Um, I, I don't know what the future of these museums are. Their their social media pages are still online. But seeing all of or an entire list of volunteers, some of which are people we know, decide to resign because they didn't know what was going on was enough for, uh, to give me great cause for concern. Oh, I, I definitely agree. Like you said, it was a conversation that was very short and um, – we felt it would be better uh, in the in the interest of our of our podcast and of our fans to to pull it um, based on the fact that we don't know what's going to happen now with with uh, with these museums. It has nothing to do specifically with the fact that these charges are pending against Mr. Huddleston. But like you said, we're promoting these museums and we're asking people to donate to them in this episode. And with everything in limbo the way it is right now, and and people who even worked for the museums on a volunteer basis, not knowing what's going on, we felt it was the best decision to make. So we did. We can only hope that the pieces that the museum has are, are put on display somewhere, hopefully by the museum or perhaps by some other um, museum in the future, because they deserve to be seen and fans deserve to get a chance to look at them, especially because there were people who donated to that end. So um, uh, that really sums up all we pretty much want to say about it. Um, here's hoping that um, th- that that justice, you know, rules the day and and everything is fair. Absolutely.
You know, Dan, I'm sitting here <laughs> with the USS Shenzhou in my hands, and it reminds me that we want to take a few minutes to tell everybody about the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection from our friends at Eagle Moss Collections, because man, these things are gorgeous. They are gorgeous. I'll tell you about my Shenzhou in just a second, but uh, they are officially authorized by CBS Studios, and this special collection features brand new ship concepts and designs from the first season of CBS CBS's Star Trek Discovery. Each one of these models has gone through extensive reference study and has been reproduced under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson for accuracy and detail. And as we recently talked about on Twitter, he has probably the best job on the planet Earth. So that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't say that to a, don't say that to John Van Titters. <laughs> I was going to say that next, but you beat me to it. Now, the first thing that you're going to notice about these ships when you receive your first one, which is the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, is that they're pretty big. They are almost eight inches from the front of the saucer to the rear of the warp nacelles. They are beautiful. They are made of die-cast metal and ABS materials, and they are hand-painted with reference to the actual CG models that are used in production of the show. You know, the thing I love about the Shenzhou is how many hard lines it has. You know, you look at you know, the original Enterprise and it doesn't have very many hard lines. There's lots of you know, cylindrical type things, whether it's the secondary hull or the warp missiles. And the Shenzhou just has angles. And I like it very much in the same way I like the refit Enterprise from the motion picture. Um, to me, it's just, it's a beautiful ship and I love the underslung bridge. But you know, Dan, the, the, each of these ships, each of them comes also with the infamous Eagle Moss display base, infamous. which I love. Infamous Eagle Moss display base, which I absolutely love because it makes it look like your ship is just sitting there right in front of you in space. And it also comes with one of those amazing collector's magazines featuring behind the scenes info, original design sketches, and of course, a breakdown of in universe in universe <laughs> in universe technology on board. Wow, I felt like Beaker there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the first ship in the collection, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227, is available to subscribers for only $9.95 with free shipping at eaglemoss.com slash discoverystarships. I, I am amazed at that price every time I tell people about it. It's it's fantastic. It is fantastic. And I love, I love the Shenzhou. I love the Discovery, which is another one of the ships that you're going to get as a subscriber to this collection, uh, NCC-1031. I'm going to talk about that one for just a second. I have that one at my work, at my desk, as you know. And Bill, when I started working with you, you got me a cube gift of the USS Enterprise NCC-1701, the large model. So what do I have right now at my desk? I have them nose to nose, just like in the final scene of Star Trek Discovery this year it's awesome i love it now there was word earlier this year that eagle moss is going to have the discovery version of the enterprise of someday we're going to go crazy when that like is really coming out and ready but we'll save that for a later time but uh in addition to the discovery also the uss Kerala ncc1255 is going to be available as well as the reimagined klingon bird of prey it's going to ship, they're going to ship monthly bill at 20% off the standard retail price for subscribers. And get this, they too are going to come with free shipping. Now, wow. yeah, it's pretty awesome. I know, right? Subscribers are also entitled to free gifts that are worth over $100. You can cancel your subscription at any time, but why would you want to? And uh, for full details, just head right on over to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. 
Now, of course, fans who want to purchase their favorite ships individually may do so either online at shop.eaglemoss.com or at your local comic book shop for the regular price. But don't forget to subscribe. That's really where the value is. And that's eaglemoss.com slash Discovery Starships. And we truly thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection for sponsoring this week's episode. Dan Odo and Quark. <laughs> this is something that I've been looking forward to talking about for a while. Um, two incredibly different characters and two characters I can't possibly see without one another as part of their character arcs. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. Uh, there would not have been these characters without the other. Now, I'm going to start off right off the bat with saying a couple of things. I was not sure I was going to want to have a Ferengi on Deep Space Nine as a regular character based on what we saw with Ferengi and TNG. So I was very nervous about that. And I have to say that at first, it's kind of weird how things changed. I was more interested and happy with what I was seeing from Quark than what I was seeing from Odo in the first couple of episodes, which is kind of strange because Odo was my all-time favorite character. That is interesting to me. You know, the thing that I think I had the most trepidation about was the guy from Benson being in Star Trek. <laughs> you know, because right. on Benson, Rene Auberginois played Clayton Endicott III, the kind of smarmy lawyer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I never put two and two together because, you know, I was a kid when Benson was out, but... I realized, hey, that guy with the funny name is playing the shapeshifter. I don't know. <laughs> yep. But it was, I feel silly now for having that concern because, you know, as you said, Renee has created a character that is is pretty much universally loved in Star Trek and, and kind of it was really different from the other characters searching for their humanity that we'd seen before. I remember when I first started to love the character of Odo. Now, first of all, like I said a minute ago, I wasn't too keen on him at first. I didn't think the makeup looked right. Uh, and then all of a sudden he turned into the Terminator from Terminator 2 uh, when he got all gooey. And, and I was like, oh, OK, so those are pretty cool special effects. So I started taking an interest in him. Now, the reason I love Odo so much, and you're probably going to laugh at this because I don't think I've ever told you this before, Bill. Okay. I love Odo because he is the type of guy that I would want to hang out with because he's the type of guy who doesn't want to hang out with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's the So wait a second. Wait a second. So for all uh, of the things there are to like about Odo, you like him because he's a shut-in. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah. I just love the way that he always wants to keep to himself. But at the same time, there's just this quality about him that I just want to hang with him. And he's the type of guy, I mean, he, God, he'd be a better friend than you, I think, most of the time because he's just cool. You know what I mean? No, buddy? No. <laughs> No, no, I don't. No, I, I gotta give, I gotta give uh, huge props to to Renee for what he does for the character because he makes him, he makes him lovable when he's not trying to be lovable, and there's just something about that gruffness in the character that I just always loved from the time that I'm like, okay, this character is kind of growing on me, and it just grew and grew and grew all through the series. Well, I think there's something about Odo's journey. You know, he's not necessarily looking to understand humanity. He's looking to understand himself and his place in the world. And I think that's a little different than some of the alien characters that we've seen before. You know, when when season one starts, he knows that 
he's come from somewhere near the Denorius belt, but really doesn't know much more than that. And you can tell that it's something that, that, that he, he needs to know and that it drives him and not necessarily his, his sense of justice. I mean, that's the role he assumes on the station, but it's, he's got this vacuum, you know, this, this hole in his life because he doesn't know what he is or he doesn't know where he's from. And, and I can imagine that that's pretty off putting to, to anybody. I mean, imagine waking up one day and realizing you're with these people that look nothing like you and you have no idea where you're from. And that's, that's pretty much an amazing journey when you think of where Odo's come from. It is an amazing journey where he's come from and all the things he went through before we actually got to see him as a character on the show. And I don't want to go too far ahead into what our discussion is going to be about, but all the things that Odo and Quark went through before we actually ever met them. There's quite a history between them because they were both on the station for quite a long time since before uh, the Cardassians left and everything. So there's a lot of history, but I'm talking about specifically the the laboratory rat that he was um, uh, you know, earlier in his life uh, when nobody knew what he was and he was just an unknown sample, quote unquote. Uh, he's been through the ringer uh, for a long time and and um, I don't know if wearing it on his sleeve is the right word, but it's certainly something that he makes people aware of in the way that he acts. Come on, Dan. Odo doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> well, I mean, he does in season five, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> you know, and and then I think about Quark. I mean, you, you mentioned at the top of the discussion, I too had real trepidation over a Ferengi being a member of the regular cast. Because up until then, in Next Gen, the Ferengis were comic relief, or they were a punchline, or they were something for Riker to get annoyed at. Because let's face it, anytime the Ferengi come on screen, Riker cops that attitude. And I think the human characters do in general. Cisco even kind of does in several first season episodes of Deep Space Nine over you know Jake's relationship with Nog. But I think that one of the things that I really have to credit Armin with is how he helped turn around the Ferengi. He really kind of redeemed them as a concept and as an alien race single-handedly, and it's all with Quark because Quark isn't comic relief. I mean, there are times where Quark is funny, but Quark is Quark is a bit of a scoundrel. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got his hands in everything and nothing at the same time, and he's trying to be underhanded and still maintain a business on the station and and not get too deep into the pit, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I'll tell you what, that's something I'd love to have a conversation with Armin about someday if we're able if we're ever able to talk to him. You know, we saw him as the first Ferengi ever. And um and like you said, the Ferengi, I, I don't want to be mean, but Ferengi were a joke on TNG. I just really did not like any of the Ferengi episodes. They were supposed to be the bad, bad guys of TNG. Um, and in that first episode, the last outpost, they're, they're just like, really? They're these little dudes with these funny whips and they can't talk right and they got funny teeth. It's, I just I just didn't care for them. And as TNG evolved into their seven seasons, any episode with the Ferengi just really never did it for me. But then Armin took over as Quark. And what I wanted to ask him if we ever had the opportunity is, did you say to the folks at Deep Space Nine, look, I played a Ferengi. I want to develop the Ferengi in this way. And I think it's going to work. And he did. 
and it works. And it just completely redoes the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine to a race that, while they still have their quarks, <laughs> get it? Nah. Um, uh. yeah, sorry. Um, they're more, I don't know what the right word is, but they're respectable as an alien race in TNG. I don't know if that's the right word, but they've got a, they've got a, They've got a backstory because of what Armin put into this character. And I've always been very thankful to him for that. Well, they're not the punchline mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, yeah, there are episodes where it is kind of silly. Um, the Nagus is one of those where you kind of you kind of roll your eyes at the Nagus a little bit. But Wallace Shawn is amazing in that role. You roll, you know, you roll your eyes at some of the other Ferengi episodes. And honestly, I mean, I've said before, I tend to skip the Ferengi episodes because the ones that focus solely on the Ferengi aren't my favorite. But at the end of the day, it's still not Aquiel or the Muse, so they're they're worth watching. Um, but I I really think that I have to give credit to the writers too because they invested in developing the Ferengi into something that wasn't a laughing stock, and I think that they really righted a wrong that TNG put forth and just never addressed afterward. Yeah. And and it's funny because they created this history of the Ferengi. And even in some of the things that they created, you got to wonder if it was done tongue in cheek and to make them look like the buffoons of the galaxy. I mean, women can't wear clothes and they can't earn profit and this, that, and the other thing. But then they came up with great ideas like Brunt and the FCA. And they came up with episodes like the Magnificent Ferengi and Gala, who's got his own moon. All of these different things. Some are like, really? And some of them are like, wow. And I think that's one of the great things about what Armin brought to the character and to the race as a whole. Yeah, I, I credit Armin. I credit Iris Stephen Bear. I credit writers like, you know, Ron Wolf and uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Ron Moore <laughs> and Robert Hewlett Wolf and, and a bunch of other ones. I conflated a couple of names there. Sorry about that. Um, because I, I really think it set the stage for Quark to be on the same level as Odo. And I think that's important as we examine these two characters. Because if Quark were just the latest Ferengi laughingstock, this relationship, this dynamic, this sort of give and take with Odo and Quark would never work. You know what's funny? You just said something that made me pause. I've always felt Odo as the bigger of the two. Does that make sense? Not not size-wise, but um, the way that you phrased that just a minute ago made me think that, to me, they were never really on the same level. I always put Odo higher. Maybe that's just because I like Odo so much, but I'm sure there are people that thought that Quark was better than Odo. Um, it's just interesting the way that you said that. It made me it made me stop and think for a second. Oh, I think it's because Odo wears the white hat. Mm, you know, yeah. um, you know, Odo is is lawful good. You know, and sometimes to uh, to a fault. And and Quark tests those boundaries at every turn because he knows he can. He knows at the end of the day, if he only goes so far, he's still going to get to wake up the next day and tend his bar and make his money. But if Quark had been Rom, for example, a first first and second season Rom, because Rom definitely changes, Absolutely. and we can talk about that some other yep. time. If Quark had been as numbskulled as Rom, that dynamic never works, and I don't think this relationship ever happens. And I think that each of these characters loses a critical piece of themselves. I think that's another good point, is Quark is not as dumb as he sometimes seems to be. He's very, very smart, and he's always got a plan. And even though the plan usually would blow up in his face, at least he had a plan. 
I mean, Rom would just be there going, and, and, and you just would never know what happened. Of course he did change. Of course, I always will credit him and discredit him with the whole cloaking minefield, but that's for another day also. Uh, (laughs) But, but you're absolutely right. Um, I think the level of quarks, uh, deceitfulness and ability to shirk the law just to the right point was something that maybe I didn't give enough credit in originally when I was watching the series. Well, and the other thing too that this tells us about Odo is that there are times when Odo looks the other Absolutely. way. Absolutely, yep. It's not that he he condones what Quark does, but he also knows that if he he busts Quark on something small, he's not going to get Quark on something big later on. You know, uh, it, it reminds me of like the 70s cop shows where it seems like all the cops of the day knew criminals on the street and let the criminals operate as long as they gave them particular information or, you know, were able to catch other people doing worse things. And I think on some level, Quark fits that, you know, that mold. But but ultimately, if if Quark can't do his things and there isn't the constant threat of Odo, Again, that relationship just doesn't work. I found it, I always found it very interesting that Odo was so big on justice and that's his whole life is, is surrounded by making sure that, that justice is served, that he did look the other way on so many occasions where Quark could be caught, arrested, prosecuted or whatnot, but he let it slide. And that was always an interesting part of Odo for me that he would allow that to happen when he had such a strong set of, of rules for himself for justice. Yeah. Because he would, (laughs) he would be telling Nog and Jake not to, you know, loiter on the, on the upper promenade. (laughs) And yet Quark would, you know, get to run things, you know, much to, to Odo's chagrin and dismay, but, you know, with his sort of, you know, tacit, you know, uh, not really a approval, but he certainly didn't do anything about it. I mean, a lack of action, you know, notes some kind of, of permission on some level. And there are things that Odo permitted, whether he took action or not. That's one of the things I love so much about the character, because you never knew what you're going to expect when it came to Quark. With anybody else on the station, you knew exactly what Odo was going to do. He was going to follow the letter of the law, and he was going to do it the way that he felt it would be done. But when it came to Quark, you never knew which way he was going to go. And I thought that was always a great mystery of him. There are, well, Odo is, is such a black and white character, but there are so many shades of gray nah. inher- inherent in Odo that I think that's where the texture and the context lies. You know, Quark, Quark is nothing but shades of gray. You know, th- there are no absolutes with Quark because everything is uh, for the right price. Yes. But Odo is, you know, this is good or this is bad unless dot, dot, dot. Um, and I think that it, I think that with Quark in particular, those lines get a lot more blurry, especially as the series progresses. I agree 100%, especially as the series progresses. I mean, there's things that happen in the later parts of the show, especially when the Dominion comes into play and Odo's questioning where his loyalties lie, whether he wants to go be part of the Great Link or stay with the solids. It really becomes Shades of Grey. And and I I laughed because Shades of Grey, I always think of season of TNG, which I don't really want to think about. Um, But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Wow. I just love it when you say I'm absolutely right. I just, I almost don't know where to go from there, but I'm just going to revel in it and press on. Um, I think it's safe to say that, you know, the, the term frenemies has existed for a long time, but Odo and Quark were frenemies before that term ever really hit people's lexicons and certainly before it was cool. You know, at the end of the day, these two characters, they not only need each other, you know, in the script development process, but they need each other in their lives because neither of them has the journey that that they should have without it. You know, Quark teaches Odo a good deal about himself. There are key points throughout the run of Deep Space Nine where Quark provides the most sound advice in the room to Odo. And it's almost kind of head scratching. It's like, wow, really? He'd do that for Odo? It's like, of course he'd do that for Odo. Odo's really the only friend he has, whether he knows it or not. And that's, it kind of makes me smile a little bit when I think about it in those terms. Quark cares about Odo. And he may not think that that's reciprocated, but uh, I think over time he figures out it is. I definitely think it is. Um, the whole idea, what you, you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, you're right, Bill. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, sometimes when something's going on on the station, Quark is the one who gives Odo the best piece of advice. Now, he may do it in a way that's insulting or makes Odo second guess himself, but he gives the right advice and he, and, and it, it works fantastically. And I got to say, if I, I can only imagine, you know, people joke about how Odo's always miserable. I can only imagine how miserable he would have been on that station if he didn't have someone like Quark there. You know what I mean? And it could probably be said the same way. Quark would have been more miserable or, or, or I don't know if miserable is the right word, if he didn't have Odo to rib. I don't know. I, I think that, I think you're onto something there. Cause you know, the only other character that Odo has that kind of trust in, because I mean, let's, let's face it. Odo trusts Quark with certain things and especially some personal things. But the only other character that Odo has that level of trust in is Kira. And that doesn't happen until later in the series. Sure. Other than that, Odo pretty much feels like he's an island and he doesn't tell Quark everything because I think that Odo's afraid that there will be ridicule and that, you know, I don't think he wants to risk those things about himself at various points. But, you know, if, if, if he needed a, a true ear and, and advice, Quark steps up and gives it to him on multiple occasions. And that's one of the dynamics about this relationship that I think I love the most. One of the ones that comes to mind right away, and I think it's one of the strongest ones, is I can't recall the episode, and forgive me, but it's when when Odo's pretty mad about something with Kira not not feeling for him the way he wants him to, and he's in his quarters and he's wrecking everything. And Quark shows up. And stuff is broken and Odo's, I don't know if he's starting to, you know, get all goopy because he hasn't regenerated in a while, but they sit there and have a discussion about, about it. And, and Quark knows that he loves, that Odo loves Kira. And I think that's a great example of what these two have together, even though they would never admit it to each other. Yeah. In fact, he goes to great lengths to counsel him where Kira is concerned because ultimately he wants Odo to be happy. I mean, there's the extra added benefit of if Odo's concentrating on Kira, he's not going to be concentrating on Quark's activities. I mean, Quark's no dummy, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, the, the reason under the covers is that he ultimately wants Odo to be happy on some level because, 
you know, he, although chasing Quark makes him happy, it doesn't provide him the happiness that he's really looking right. for. You know, I got to say, when you said he's no dummy there, you sounded a little bit like the Nagus. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, and I almost took the opportunity to make a joke about you, but I didn't. Ooh, that's, that's really amazing. That's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I think that as I've rewatched Deep Space Nine uh, over and over, I mean, people talk about the relationship between, you know, Bashir and O'Brien, and that's a good relationship. Don't get me wrong. But I think that the Odo Quark relationship is probably one of the best relationships in all of Star Trek for for these these reasons that we've been talking about. You know, Odo is <laughs> it's it's almost like it's it's like the old Looney Tunes cartoon with the the sheepdog and the coyote. <laughs> hey Ralph. They are, good night, Ralph. Night Sam. And, you know, and they clock in and it's you know it's it's game on. You know, the sheepdog is going to protect the herd and the coyote is going to try to get the sheep. And at the end of the night, they clock out and it's like, night, Ralph, night, Sam. And, you know, they go back to being the sort of, you know, friendly enemies or frenemies that that they are. And I really kind of look at the Odo Quark relationship through that lens sometime. Um, people say it's a bromance. It's not a bromance. No, I don't. It's a... <laughs> It's it's very much sheepdog coyote in my opinion. I think that if anything, O'Brien and Bashir is a bromance. And one of the things I was going to say to your point is a lot of times when you would see O'Brien and Bashir arguing, it looked much more forced than it did when it was Odo and Quark. It's more natural with those two. And it made it for to be more realistic in my mind when we're watching them. Perfect example is Hippocratic Oath with Bashir and and, and O'Brien with with the disagreement that they have on how to handle the Jem'Hadar. It seems kind of forced in a lot of that episode, but whenever you see um, Odo and Quark arguing, it just it just it just flows perfectly. So definitely not a bromance with those two. It's not it's unlike you and I, my friend. <laughs> wait I, 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 you heard, are you saying we have a bromance you heard me i know i just can't believe my ears <laughs> oh nice <laughs> hey uh, it's uh <laughs> see i lost my train of thought totally because it caught me totally off guard um i i really appreciate and this is one of the things you wanted to bring up and really, you can't talk about this episode, or you can't talk about these two characters without this episode because it is so pivotal in in their relationship, and it's the ascent. Yes. And we could have talked about just this episode, but I think it's it's important to talk about the relationship and the episode because it's it's so much more layered than oh, these guys have to get through this challenge together, but this episode had to happen, and I'm so glad that the writers took this chance with these two characters. It's one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine. It is the Odo and Quark episode. Now, this is when Odo is a solid, so he's still dealing with all of that. But he finally, you know, as as he always seems to indicate, he's really wanting to put Quark behind bars. And it looks like something's going to happen with that. And, of course, there's the shuttlecraft crash or the runabout. I forget what they were in. Um, but it is a it is a brilliant episode that not only is brilliant in in – and what we see and what's going on, but the performances by these two guys with these two characters, it, it's so powerful. It's one of those episodes that 
I could sit and watch four or five times in a row because it's so well done. And what's so great about it is even after everything they're going through and how we're talking about right now, how they're frenemies and, and they are, they, they have to be with each other. They won't work without one another. At the end of the episode, they both say how much they hate each other. And I think that's just one of the best parts of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is very much like us. Um, all throughout this episode, I mean, they are taking shots at each oh, other yeah. right and left. You know, there's there's this one scene where that hatred kind of culminates. You know, it starts off and it's like, I hate this transmitter. I hate this mountain. And most of all, I hate the Orion Syndicate for stranding us here. Um, and it, it, it descends into yelling and name calling. And they really just let it all out at that point because – this situation, this crash on this planet and this need to get to the top of the mountain to you get the transmitter higher really tests the bond that these two characters have. Um, although I will say <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in this is when Quark says, uh, don't you get it? I'm not trying to save you. I'm taking you along as emergency rations. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But one of the great parts about Quark in this episode is after that fight and I hate you, the way he says you, how he hates most yeah. of all. Yeah. Um, and after the broken leg on Odo, when they fight is Quark is going to die before he's going to let them not get rescued. And he goes off on his own with that equipment and climbs that mountain to save both of them, not just to save himself, which you would think that Quark would be more interested in. He's going to save both of them. Uh, I thought that was a very, very key point in the development of Quark during the series and the relationship between these two guys. I agree. You know, you talked a little bit about that, uh, that last scene in, in sickbay and it's, it, it's really illustrative of the dance that these two characters, you know, go back and forth on it, that, that hatred, you know, fake as it may be. Um, they call it hatred, but really what it is, is, is respect and affection on some level. Um, <laughs> just funny. I wanted you to know I meant every word of it. <laughs> so did I. And, <laughs> and you can't help but laugh when that scene plays out because it's just played so well by both Renee and Armin. You can tell that they are dear friends who truly enjoyed that script and the ability for those characters to be in that situation because it permeates their, their acting in those scenes. It's, it is a fantastic episode. If you haven't watched the ascent recently, you really should go back. I remember watching the preview of it the week before going, Oh, that looks kind of lame. Yep. Yeah, no, it's not lame at all. It's <laughs> yep. one of the best episodes of deep space nine hands down. Absolutely. I agree. It's funny that you said that because I remember thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, this one's going to suck, but it doesn't. It's, it is, it is one of the best of the entire series. Absolutely. I, um, it's, it's funny. I just watched it again a few weeks ago and it was, I, I watched it and I was still blown away by the performances of both Armin and Renee. And I just, I respect so much what these two amazing actors have done with these characters. I um, it's funny because you know I before Deep Space Nine, I used to think of Renee as of course the guy from Benson, and of course I thought of Armin as the principal from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and now I can't think of them in those roles. I can't even picture them in those roles because to me, they are forever Odo and Quark, and and this sort of yin and yang of 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 good and bad, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. One of the things I wanted to say, it kind of ties to that a little bit is is in this episode there's there's so much drama and so much 
you know, there's hatred, I guess is a good way to call it, but there's a lot of humor in the beginning, the lip smacking and the buzzing and the shuttlecraft or runabout in the beginning. It's just so great. And they're just, you know, getting on each other's nerves so much. It's, it's really something, but I did want to talk about one other episode bill in regards to the relationship between these two guys. And that's the C- the series finale. Um, you know, a lot is given to the final scene between Odo and Kira and, and he, he, you know, puts on a tuxedo and, and kind of like, you know, drifts off into the great link with his arm raised, waving goodbye to Kira. But to me, the more important goodbye is the one between Odo and Quark, which doesn't even really happen if you think about it, but it's it sticks in my mind whenever I think about these guys is is Odo's gone into the shuttlecraft he doesn't say goodbye or anything like that to Quark and and Kira tells him you know don't worry you know he you know he he he's he thinks of you as a friend and and he goes he raises a glass and go that man loves me that's that's the relationship between Odo and Quark and I think that that goodbye is even more is more heartfelt than the one between Kira and Odo at the end. I absolutely concur with that. I've thought that ever since I watched what you leave behind the first time, you know, Odo doesn't say goodbye because Odo can't, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not because he doesn't want to, it's because he's actually unable to, I think if he could have gotten away without saying goodbye to Norris, he might have, but there's no way that Norris was going to let that happen. And honestly, he wouldn't have wanted to disappoint Nerys like that, but he could sure. do this with Quark. Sure, absolutely. And knowing that he would try to get out of saying goodbye to Quark, I think says a lot about his affection for Quark. You're right. That's a fantastic scene. And all of that, all that man loves me thing. It's hilarious. And honestly, I find that to be a more emotional goodbye for me in this series than yeah. any of the others. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, we get to see fleeting goodbyes between the characters when that wonderful music is played during the finale with the mixture of um, uh, the of the of the theme of Deep Space Nine with and the way you look tonight. But that one between Quark and Odo is just the one that I I love more than any of them. And I got to say that um, for you and I, with the friendship that we have. I can guarantee you that if you go before me, I will sell your desiccated remains for the highest profit just for you, as long as you shoot me through the wormhole. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you through something, all right. You damn well better believe that. I um, And someday when I when I move from New England, I'll, I'll be sure to, to not say goodbye. How's that? <laughs> Excellent. I, I can't wait. <laughs> Tomorrow, I hope. Oh, if God willing, if I only believed in that kind of thing. Um. Are there any other scenes that you can recall over the seven years of DS9 that that stand out to you as far as Odo and Quark? Those are the ones that stand out the most. One of the other ones, and I'm going to get the wording wrong, but uh, is when Quark is looking to do something and he needs to borrow a uh, he he's scared and he needs to get a pistol that he is has hidden for self defense and he goes to open it and it's gone and there's a note from from rom said and and odo reads and says quark i needed your gun for parts i'll return them later rom and quark goes i'm gonna kill him and odo goes with what it's that's just another perfect ribbing moment between the two (laughs) one of my favorite things is in uh the season two episode of the circle which is a season two episode two where odo deputizes quark 
Yes. Yep. <laughs> it's such a small scene. You can tell that the quark is just thrown off kilter a little bit. You know, it's it's early on in the run of Deep Space Nine, and it's because Odo needs more information. So he, you know, he makes Quark an official deputy and tells him to find out where the weapons are being delivered. And Quark refuses until Odo threatens to arrest him for impeding an investigation. <laughs> um, and it's just it's it's a wonderful irony that he's threatening to arrest the guy he's about to deputize. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, it's funny. Another one that I just thought of is is the episode where Quark becomes a weapons dealer with Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cop. Um, that is another good example that Odo wants to do something because this is wrong, but he's not doing anything because it's all holodeck weapons. That's another great back and forth between those two characters. I like that one. Yes, I agree with that entirely. Um, it's interesting because I, I don't think that... Um, uh, Quark being in a jail um, would have really satisfied Odo. No, all things considered, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think that it would have brought him the kind of joy that he thought he was looking for. Like, like I said earlier, I think that this is the dance that they they went through. I think that this is what these characters eventually fell into, and honestly, I think it worked. And if if he ever really had jailed Quark, um, I, I don't think it would have brought him the the sense of satisfaction or or closure that. Um, he would have hoped for. I agree. I'm agreeing with you far too much. Maybe it's because of the topic. This makes me so happy because it's kind of making me feel like I felt last night at the gym agreeing with you so much. (laughs) It's leaving you unable to breathe and feeling like you're going to die. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, let's do more of that then. Good job. (laughs) Good job, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, it's whenever I rewatch Deep Space Nine now, I, I pay special attention to these two characters simply because of the nuances that both Renee and Armin bring to these parts. You know, it's 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 like getting a little gift every time I watch them now because I notice things I never never observed before. And I'm not just talking about the Ascent; I'm talking about pretty much every episode, um, every c- scene that these two characters have together. Um, I re- I honestly think that this is the best relationship. Uh, you know, the, in Deep Space Nine, as far as arc, as far as development, as far as interaction, and as far as honestly, the 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 way these two characters come together, it's just it's it's worth watching the ascent. It's worth watching everything in Deep Space Nine just for these two characters. Here's a question for you, and I know we say this every time we talk about characters. Nobody could have played these characters except these people. But we know from our discussions with Andy Robinson that he actually auditioned for the part of Odo. Do you think it would have worked as good with Andy Robinson as Odo as it did with Renee? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, well, I mean, let's let's state for the record, Andy Robinson is an amazing Oh God, he's so good. He's played such a wide variety of characters and all of them have been fantastic, you know, from horror to comedy to, to drama, to, uh, serial killer, um, to (laughs) Cardassian Taylor. Um, I think it would have been good. I just think it would have been markedly different. It's interesting. They say that because here's my take on it. If, if Andy played Odo, and Renee played Garrick, neither one of them would have worked for me based on what I've seen as each person playing their respective characters. Now, maybe that's because I'm looking at it with Deep Space Nine glasses and I know what each character has done in the seven seasons of the show, but I just I just can't see 
it working as well, especially with the relationship with Odo and 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 Quark. If it was Andy, because I, I, nobody can play Garrick than besides Andy Robinson, um, and I just don't think that uh, anybody else besides Renee could have pulled off the things that he did as Odo. Like I said, shaded glasses, possibly, but that's just the way I see it. Let me throw a curveball at you. Oh, what if Renee had played Quark and Armin had played Odo? Uh, right off the bat, I'd have to say, no, I don't think it would have worked, but I can't, but, but then again, I'm trying to picture Renee as a Ferengi and Armin as a, as a changeling. And I just can't because of what we're used to seeing. Uh, let's keep it as it is. How about that? No reality switches today. No, no Kelvin timeline mistakes or, or changes in the timeline. I should say no deep space <laughs> nine freaky Friday. hashtag ds9 freaky friday (laughs) well dan that's kind of our look at odo and quark i um i really think it's worth it to go back and watch the ascent if if people are progressing through their deep space nine rewatches and it's coming up soon just really savor this episode it's season five episode nine um premiered i think right after thanksgiving or right before thanksgiving in 1996 um and it's just it is so good I mean, it's. Uh, I don't think this is, this is a script that doesn't work for any other series with in Star Trek with any other of Star Trek characters. It is specifically tailored to Odo and Quark, and it is worth the hour. I guarantee it. I'll have to double check what Mister Morehouse ranks at at Trek ranks for Deep Space Nine episodes. I think it might be in my top ten. Wow, I, that, that's high praise, and and I can appreciate that because it is fantastic. Mm. Um, as you look that up, I'm going to say that. Something else that's fantastic, Dan, is the band Five Year Mission, our great friends who have just released their year four album. That's right. Brand new 5YM tracks in your ear holes. You can get them today by going to fiveyearmission.net. I love this album. Dan loves this album. People universally love this album. Why? Because it is five Star Trek fans that have written original compositions to celebrate Star Trek. This isn't a uh, this isn't a parody band. This isn't making fun of Star Trek. This is giving you a new way to watch Star Trek episodes and a creative outlet, you know, by which to look at them. So uh, go get year four. Seriously, you're going to love it. You're going to love five your mission. And um, you're going to thank us as people have already done on Twitter within the last few weeks. So that's five your mission.net. Go get yourself some tunes, yo. Tunes. I love tunes. 86 is the rank for the Ascent on Trek ranks. That's a little disappointing. I'm going to have to talk to Jim about that. But anyway, you know, we're talking about five-year mission right now. So the hell with Jim Morehouse, okay? I'm going to say that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, Bill? We do love five-year mission, like you said. And I got to tell you, you might be upset at this and you might not be, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because you're my friend and and you're my friend. Um, Earlier, we discussed our new business venture as you remember, and, you know, we're both so proud and we're excited about the future. Um, We're so much, so much so that I decided to create a different company. And I hope you don't mind that I set it up without you so that I could surprise you for it. Okay. Wow. So already you're shutting me out. We haven't even had a board meeting. This is amazing. I know. Well, this is a, it would be a different board meeting and you'll, you'll still be right up there on the board, but it's going to be a music label company, buddy. And only the best artists are going to be able to get together to jam and play their greatest hits. And I'm kind of hoping that one band in particular will be the one that we sign first. So I am proud to announce 
the creation of coconut media farks. Ba 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 ba. Wow! Wow! Um, I Hey-o. I uh, wow! The company's uh, the ink's not even dry on the paperwork. For God's sake, man! It, it was so. It was such a great idea. I had to run with it. So I maybe I'll just keep running. <laughs> Please across state lines. That would be fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's fiveyearmission.net. Please go get all their tunes. Trust us, you're going to love it. Dan, next week, we're going to talk about something that um, we <laughs> probably should have talked about before now. You think? I'm thinking so. What took you so long to come up with this idea, buddy? Uh, it's been three years, and we've talked a lot of Star Trek, but there's one character that we have never mentioned, and next week, we're going to fix that, you and I. You know, she is a central figure in several of the live action series. And next week on Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast, we will discuss the Starship Enterprise. Oh, she's a beautiful lady and we love her. Um, and we're not going to just going to talk about a an enterprise. We're going to talk about. Starships named Enterprise. So next week, I think that's going to be pretty exciting. We're going to talk about all kinds of Enterprise-related stuff, including probably the one on Enterprise. I think that would probably be pretty fitting, eh? That's smart thinking on your part. You're a genius. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do okay. Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want to remind everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions. They're online at thetricordertransmissions.com. You know, Dan, as we record this, STLV is a mere eight weeks away. Eight weeks. So time for everybody to head on out to Tricorder Transmissions and uh, download Shoreleave and prep to maximize your convention fun. Shoreleave is just tantamount to my fan experience in conventions, and it's provided so much great information. They have a great STLV 101 set of podcasts from last year that is just fantastic information if you've never been to Star Trek Las Vegas. So that's the TricorderTransmissions.com. Head on out there and listen to all of their fine shows. We really would appreciate it. Of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 141 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut Media Works. What was that? I, I really have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you could just say coconut coconut music for Trek Geeks is provided by 5 Year Mission they're writing one song for each episode of the original series download their music at 5yearmission.net Trek Geeks a Star Trek podcast is a production of Coconut Media Works executive producer Bill Smith for even more Star Trek discussion Check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! (laughs) You sound uh, a little dead. Last night was the worst experience of my life, but I'm glad I made it through it, and I'm glad I finished it. 
I looked, we're talking about the gym for, yes. for anybody that is curious. Um, I didn't make it because my foot was really hurting. So I decided to take a night off, but I looked at that board and dude, even my wife said that was hardcore. It was hardcore, but not as hardcore as the, as the, after the board, you have the final five minutes. That was, oh, they broke us up into two teams of 16 people each and each people lines of four. So four stations on each team. And the first thing we did was the ski pole thing. The skier, yep. the skier, yeah, and I, I love that. That was great. I was killing that. I think our row made had the most um, reps, and then we switched over to the wall climber and uh, cardio or whatever the hell you want to call it. Well, we had I don't know how many minutes of that, and we usually would do ten seconds as much as we could, and then we'd switch off to the next person in ten seconds. Well, it got close to the end, and there was twenty eight seconds when I got on for the last time, and I just went the whole time so that we wouldn't waste seconds by switching off. I thought I was going to die, and it took me like two hours to feel normal again. <laughs> you were such a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after and the reason and and part of the the challenge was. One team had to win both or else both teams had to do 20 burpees. I laid on the floor like dying for the entire time. Everybody else was doing burpees. I couldn't do them. <laughs> so the the Versa Climber, which which you're referring to, hmm. did you know that is the chosen um, cardio equipment for the Navy SEALs? Well, I hope they, they all felt the way I did after I got off that thing last night. I'm sure they felt light years better. Um, oh, man. But – as I posted on Facebook today, I didn't eat anything all day. I had one little thing of cottage cheese at lunch and that's it. And then I went and worked out and like pushed myself more than I ever have. And I think that definitely played a part of it. Oh, it played a huge part in it. I always have something before I get to the gym, probably usually before I leave work. And then I will usually have like a, a nut butter cliff bar pretty much right after, like in my car. Yeah. At least I went. <laughs> Yeah, you're not injured though. Uh. <laughs> oh, I was after that freaking workout. I was. Yeah. Plus, the whole thing we did on the board was killer. I did chin ups, which I never thought I'd ever be able to do. And uh, at one point, I think I did seven in one setting, which with nice. my with my mass, I didn't ever thought I'd be able to do. So I was pretty happy. That's fantastic. But enough about that. Uh, Your face is fantastic. That's actually true. I know. Yeah. 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 You know what to, you know what show I've been hooked on lately, catching up on uh on the Hulu mm-hmm. is is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. That show is so funny. I have never watched an episode. When it first came out, the commercials, my wife and I were like, this looks like the stupidest thing ever. But this yep. past season, they had some commercials where somebody was singing, singing Copacabana in front of a dead body. And for some reason, that always made me laugh hysterically. So I might have to check it out. It's, um, it, it, I think Fox runs into the problem where it just gets to a point where it doesn't know what to do with it, with particular shows. I think Arrested Development, the first three seasons went through this. I think anything sci-fi on Fox has been through this. But um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just smart and it's fast-paced and it's funny. And um, it just, it works. I I didn't think I would like it as much as I do, but uh, I laugh genuinely every time I watch it. Are you still there? Hello? 
Hi. What happened? I had to mute because I was coughing. <laughs> I thought this was going to be the first time in a month where I didn't have a coughing fit, but I had a coughing fit. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, crickets. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I had a cricket sound effect. I would put it in there going. <laughs> I, I'm like, did, did I lose him? Is he like not, not got internet? Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Um, I was sorry. going to say that um, we just got done watching season five, uh, episode five of Bosch season four. Wow. You're way behind. I am. Well, we, have, we, we like to pace ourselves so that we're not like really, you know, using it all up real fast. We like to, you know, watch it, you know, once a week or something like that. Yeah. So like you're in, a quitter. Okay. Like in the old days. Like in the old days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the old days are gone, baby doll. That's why they're old. That's Sweet. why they're old. Sweetie You're a pie. dinosaur. You're a dinosaur. <laughs> Speaking of dinosaur, I cannot wait for June 22nd. Why? For Jurassic World. No interest. Oh, my God. No this the movie of the summer for me. I can't wait to see it. Really? <laughs> How many different ways can you do uh, dinosaurs, um, w- which man had a hand in recreating and never should have, tear up a park and a bunch of people? How many love, different times can you do it. that? The new preview has like one of the T-Rexes like nose to nose with a lion at a zoo and it looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I like it. <laughs> uh, I, I was kind of lost after Jurassic park two. I like Jurassic park two. Not a lot of people do. Um, it's just, it's not great. It's, it's, I like it. Uh, three is, is worse. Oh, I love three. Um, one one is still the gold standard. I mean, one is a great story because it's the first time you're immersed in that world, and that's the thing is I have I don't see how they can make it a world when it's oh oops we made dinosaurs and now they're eating people. What do we do? I will say, did you see the first Jurassic World, the last movie? No, no, that, I had no interest, dude. It was phenomenal. It was it was absolutely great. If you can get by the part where the girl's running in her high heels, which I don't care about, but everybody seems to have a problem with. It's phenom- it's it might be one of the best ones. I absolutely love that one. You got to see I, it. I've never run in high heels, but I have to imagine that if I'm about to be attacked by a dinosaur, I'm going to run in whatever I'm wearing on my feet. But she does a good job running in high heels, but everybody says, "Oh, no, that's a, that she's running too slow. The T-Rex would have got her blah blah blah." Doesn't matter. It's a great scene. I love it. Good movie. Check it out. Watch it. Love it. T-Rexes aren't bright just like you. Wow. Boom. And on that. That was my T-Rex roar. Oh my God, that was horrible. <laughs> you sounded like you were passing a kidney stone. I've done that. It's not fun. <laughs> oh, is that why you have that look on your face all the time? Yeah. No, well, that's because should... I have to commute with you. You need to stick to impersonations of people because you're better at those. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm not going to do one right now, though. I just don't feel like it. Although now this is the perfect time for me to go velociraptors. Where? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thank listeners you. Listeners are going to love that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> listeners. Appreciate it. We do this all for you, you know. So uh, let's hope we don't keep doing that for them. We won't have any left. You ready to do this there, uh, the Velociraptor King? Let's do it. Oh, I like that title. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. What are you really trying to say? 
looking at 